Hello, and welcome back to the Woke Stories podcast. I'm AJ Garcia. Some updates worth sharing. I was recently a guest on the Leave Vegan podcast with co-hosts Kevin Leahy and Ben Lee Roy. I talked about my entrance into the animal rights movement, some of my undercover work, dog meat in South Korea, and what I am currently focusing on. I've linked that episode of the Live Vegan podcast down below, so please check it out. Today, for episode 6, I bring you Sandra Manier Khan. I met Sandra a couple of years ago and fell in love with her work. Sandra is the designer and director of the brand SMK. SMK is a fashion brand that is based out of Seoul, South Korea, and the brand focuses not only on organic and recycled fashion, but also vegan and cruelty-free. Sandra is at the forefront of the ethical and sustainable fashion revolution. With great pleasure, I give you Sandra Manier Khan. Sandra, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. It's, uh, it's, it's wonderful to have you, and uh, thank you so much for uh, being on with me today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, who you are, uh, tell us a little bit about your brand, what does SMK stand for, um, so where are you from, you know, when did you come to Korea, kind of those things. Sure. So first of all, thank you for having me on the podcast today. Uh, my name is Sandra Minikong, and I come from France. Um, I grew up in a kind of small village next to Paris, which is not really Paris, but I studied fashion design in Paris at Atelier Chardon Savard, and I graduated in 2008. I went to Korea for just like, you know, just a trip, and I started to work for fashion brand here in overseas marketing and communications. And then I decided to launch my own label, but uh, I wanted to launch it in a way that um, I would maybe be able to respect environment, respect other species, and trying to create something more sustainable and more aware of the people I work with and the material I was using. So that's how the adventure started. Now, did you always want to get into fashion? Yeah, since I'm a kid, I always wanted to get into fashion. Like When I was a child, I used to draw animals, and uh, I always make them dress up. I make dress for elephants and giraffes. and So I, th- I think it has always been something, yeah, yeah, of course. That was kind of in you. And what about, so, you know, you, you, your brand is, is a vegan brand. It's a cruelty-free band, brand. Yes. Uh, are you yourself vegan? So I'm not really totally vegan at the moment. I'm vegetarian, but on the way of being vegan, I guess. Um, yes, the brand is 100% vegan because um, I thought about, like, if I was doing some fashion brand, like, I didn't want to involve any other species. And I, I didn't, you know, from my point of view, I don't think that we have the right to decide uh, life or death on other species. It's kind of my own point of view. So it was kind of coherent for me to not create a brand where I would use some animal skins to create some objects, you know, so it's just a common sense for me. And I mean, so how is that kind of seen back in France? Uh, when you first started out as a, you know, when you went to fashion school and then when you, when yes. you kind of started mm-hmm. to do your own fashion thing in France, mm-hmm. was, is there a push for this kind of like sustainable, uh, you know, organic or recycled or cruelty-free fashion? Not at all. Back in 2008, um, I didn't even know what like ethical fashion means. Like it was really far from me. We we didn't talk about it at that time. You know, it's like 
next year we're in 2018, so it's 10 years ago, and we didn't talk about it at that time. Even our teacher never talked about that, and we didn't have any student in our class trying to do such a thing or such a, you know, for the graduation collection. I never seen someone working in that direction. But by working myself in this field, I, I just realized that it was wrong, you know, like the way we consume clothes, the way we buy clothes, the way we manufacture, the way we choose our material. I realized myself by doing it that it was it was wrong. Something was wrong, you know. So I, I tried to find some alternatives to that. And little by little, I really constructed my own experience about it. But back in France at that time, it was not a subject at all. We discussed. Was there kind of like a moment like an aha moment or some kind of experience you went through that made you decide like you know i am you know i'm going to continue to do fashion and i'm going to do it in this way absolutely like in 2014 i started to work on my collection fall winter 2014-15 as i remember and i wanted to work about some book that i read from pierre Rabhi. And it was kind of back to the lane concept. It was all whole concept about all these kind of young French people um, trying to quit city life, very urban life, to go back to countryside life and try to grow their own vegetable. And I was quite interested by this concept. So I started to read that book and I started to get more information about the food industry especially. So I wanted to make a collection about like back to the lane concept, back to this kind of notion and by studying about all this kind of industry, I discovered like so many things. It was very, very interesting. And I think I, I went deeper into the concept than in the collection itself. So, um, yeah, it was the key moments where I started to really think twice about what I was eating, really think twice about who made my food and really think twice about who made my clothes and think twice about everything I was using. I really started to question myself about was I doing something right and was I responsible for what I was doing and was I responsible for what I was buying and yeah I think it was the key point so back 2014. So you, you <laughs> mentioned uh, you mentioned that you know there, there are some problems right with the way that people buy things and the way things are manufactured. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that like what, what, what should the consumer know um, before buying, you know, any kind of clothing? Mm. I think it's just like, I don't like to kind of like, people feel very fast guilty when you talk about this subject because they feel guilty buying such a thing and they feel guilty kind of take position by buying clothes. But I think it's better to kind of approach it in a very soft way. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a notion that has been maybe lost years and years ago it's not something new it's just the way we manufacture product is a very hidden so we don't know where it comes from we don't know where where the, the food where the fabric where the where it's made like we don't really know who's behind what's behind you know when you buy just a product in a store you you don't really know the whole story the whole um path that this product has been through and I think it's the same for food, but we are so much busy in our daily life. We, we just used to just go to the market and buy. We just used to go to the store and buy clothes without even watching the tag, where it's been made and what's the composition of the tag. I used to not watch the composition of my clothes, just buy it because I like the style and that's it. So Yeah, yeah I, mean, I was the same way. I mean, before, mm -hmm. before I became vegan, I would never even bother to look at the tag. And then after I became vegan and I wanted to, you know, to not wear animals anymore, I would always... 
you know, you, you find me yeah. in a shop looking at the tags and what everything is made from. Of course, um, it's, it's just that. It's just like uh, starting to be a little bit more aware about what we buy, what is it made of. Like when I started to look into the food, especially, it was like crazy. When you start to look at the tag, what what's like chemical is inside, what they use to where it's produced, you kind of realize that you're building yourself your own grave, you know. So it was like absolutely a big thing that happened in my life. Yeah, it's, it's a big turnover. And why did you come to Seoul? Oh, that's not a kind of like, I came to Seoul more than 10 years ago. 10 years ago was my first time here. Mm -hmm. And just some friend invited me. I, I just had a friend living here and say, okay, just come by. And, and then I came by. It was not on my plan at all to come to Seoul. I, I really didn't have any, any interest about Korea, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, and now you're here and, and you have, you know, uh, a very successful uh, brand. Uh, what is it like to, you know, try and do what you do uh, in a country like, you know, like Korea that is kind of a little bit behind in terms of, um, well, in, in, with, with my experience, I, I find it to be yeah. a little bit behind in, in anything, you know, in terms of sustainability. Mm. Uh, do you find it more difficult? I'm sure it's more difficult. I'm, I'm, I see in France it's so much easier to get like fabrics or to get like um, it's so much more difficult here, of course. But it's so much interesting, you know, because you're kind of starting something somewhere when there is nothing. So you're kind of one of the pioneer, I have to say, in this kind of field. It's very exciting. It's uh, difficult but exciting, definitely. And and I think people are very easy to listen, you know, they listen to what you say and maybe they don't agree, of course, but at least they listen and they're not like, they're, they're quite open to what you're bringing here and your vision and philosophy. So I think it's, uh, it's going to quite catch pretty fast, I think. When it's going to come, it's going to go very fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> definitely. Uh, mm -mm. I think anything sustainable is... is, is uh, is the future. Um, so I noticed that also, I know that you, you know, you do don donate some of your profits to certain, you know, charities, organizations. Mm -hmm. um, now, wh wh why do you do that? Um, it, and, and what is your, uh, wh what is your opinion about companies being kind of socially responsible? Well, I'm doing that first of all because I thought that um, I'm spending all my time in my brand. You know, I'm really spending a lot of time on it working a lot on this and I thought that if I can just find a little percentage of what I'm on my, on my income and to help some association to for like their shelter for the kind of um, health or for it would be amazing to be able with just a fashion brand to be able to do that I was I think it can be applied to any kind of field and uh, I was just happy to do that with my own clothes like just to know that in my clothes there is this percentage who goes to that, then I feel like it's cool. And maybe if it's, I'm doing better, then I can increase the percentage and I can really be part, be part of their work too, you know. So somehow I, I, I guess I want to feel um, involved, you know, in some cause that really is important to me, especially about animal protection, yes, which is one of the, the biggest cause for me, uh, well, in my own value which is uh, really important like in everything I do. Yeah. Yeah. And like, 
you know, you're a foreigner and you have mm -hmm. a business here, so so you're part of a very small community, uh, you know, of 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 foreigners who who run their own business, um, mm. and then not and then on top of that, you're trying to run a sustainable business. Uh, yes. Using organic and recycled material. Uh, yes. What are some of the challenges of being uh, a foreigner in South Korea in terms of running a business? And then, plus, what are some of the challenges that you face on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, in terms of like trying to get the materials that you need. Uh, you know, do you ever find yourself at a place that you just don't know where to go? Like, what do you do? First of all. Uh Having being a foreigner in Korea and having your own business here, uh, I think the challenge you face is mainly about communication on my part. Uh, my Korean is fine; I can speak Korean. There's no problem, but I cannot write it. I cannot read it. So it's big problem in terms of marketing and communication. So I'm really hard to market my brand here because I cannot really send an email in Korean. It looks like a five years old child, you know, it's, it's not professional at all. So my biggest problem is about communication as well. Like when I'm on the phone, for example, it's quite difficult also to understand 100% and to make myself understand 100% to my supplier or to my manufacturer, which is a big problem because if the manufacturer understands only 95% of what you say, there's 5% of mistake who can be made in a close. It's a very big deal. So for me, communication is kind of my my kind of Achilles heel, you know. Mm -hmm. It's really difficult for me. But um, on the other hand, being a foreigner in Korea with such a business can also drive a lot of attention from medias. It can drive attention from people. So there is good side and bad side. And concerning the material, I have to say that uh, it's quite difficult because at the beginning, I really wanted to source only local material, only like material made in Korea. But I realized that it was quite impossible because um, most of the material like uh, recycled like polyester or like recycled nylon or mm -hmm. mm, I don't know, some fabric you, you cannot find in Korea. You have to source abroad to find a good quality one. You know what I mean? Sure. Because it's not because you do sustainable fashion. It's not because you work with like ecotextile that you have to have a shitty colors and, and, and shitty finishes. So definitely it's quite challenging. And nowadays I have to source a lot abroad. I still source my organic cotton 100% in Korea, my tencel 100% in Korea. But for like recycled nylon and recycled polyester, I have to look in America and in Europe. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess that's one of the biggest challenges. And maybe, you yes. know, when people want to try and get into this kind of sustainable business, um, that might be like a turnoff, right? Because mm, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the point of business is to make money, right? And the easiest mm -hmm. way to make money is to, you know, outsource labor to really cheap places, outsource your material uh, to really cheap places, uh, just kind of get the cheapest labor cost you can get, pay the cheapest price for, for kind of, you know, yeah. maybe crappy yeah, I material. And I understand at the same time, like designers who's, who doesn't really care about the sustainability of their or the ethical way of their material, I understand them. They're trying to survive, you know, in fashion business. And it's so hard to survive. I definitely understand that their priority doesn't go there. But as myself, in this field, this is one of my priority, and I intend to respect it. No, and, 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 and I feel that you can. You, you can be successful with, uh, with a sustainable business. It just um, gets longer. It, it just, just takes a little bit longer. You just... Is you just need to make your brain work twice. I mean, when you work with such material, you really need to think about 
everything, every possible case you can have, you know. When you dye, for example, some organic cotton, you need to be sure of the color you're going to dye. Otherwise, it's kind of a big deal because they're not going to dye again for you, you know. Sure. So when you use some organic cotton span, for example, because I have it in some T-shirts, I need to be sure 100% of the fit I want to do because I have only one option, one, one thickness of this fabric available on the market. So I need to be exactly sure the design I'm going to do is going to be suitable for this kind of fabric. And this is a problem I'm facing a lot. Like uh, I'm trying this day, we try to do some, we have a collaboration with some Singapore brand coming and we try to do some jackets, uh, sleeveless jacket in uh, Creora fiber, which is not a sustainable textile. It's a kind of human friendly textile mm -hmm. because it has some good property for humans as well. Uh, like antibacterial, quick dry and like all what we're looking for sportswear. That and sounds really interesting. That's super interesting. I love it. It's amazing. But we tried to do this jacket in this material. It come out that this fabric in this, it's, it's there's only this one in polo fleece. It's it's not coming out because the fabric is too stretchy. So we need to find another alternatives. But in terms of this kind of fabric, this kind of kind of sports textile in human friendly fabric, oh, I'm, I don't know where I can find it actually. You know because you have one option and you need to take it or let it go. So this, this is a big difficulty. Instead of having a choice of um, a 100 fabric, you have maybe 10. Mm -hmm. So you need to make your brain work to make this 10 work. That's it. Or to find design to apply to the 10 fabric you can use. So, you know, maybe um, a lot of our listeners might not be vegan or might not be into, you know, um, uh, cruelty-free fashion. Well, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they might think the same thing as for, like, you know, food. Like, what what kind of... Are, what kind of alternative materials are there for mimicking, you know, things like leather or things mm. like, you know, um, um, wool or, mm, you know, like, mm, so mm. can you maybe walk us through that a little bit? Sure, sure, sure. There's a lot of innovation in textile concerning this field, actually, especially for leather. We have a lot of uh, kind of vegan innovation. You have the mushtex, it's kind of... Um, mushroom-made textile, which looks like leather, which is not really looking like leather, but kind of can replace leather. Mm -hmm. You have the piña tex, which is made from pineapple leaves, uh, which is really nice. I, ha I have this textile here, and I use it for accessories, and I'm really in love with it. Um, the only difficult things about piña tex, it's a send from Spain, so it's quite a high cost for making it sent to Korea, make it shipped to Korea to be used. Sure. It increased the price quite high uh, when you want to make some accessory line. You have also some uh, textile which is coming out soon, not yet, made from recycled tofu from Indonesia. Recycled yeah. tofu? Yes, absolutely. They recycled so, the remaining tofu left in restaurant and they made textile with it. It's still not on the market, but it's coming wow. very soon. Yes, very interesting. So you have a lot of like innovations in this kind of field. For the wool, you have also some innovation in Canada, uh, some fiber made from tree, which looks like just cashmere. Very mm -hmm. interesting. So you have a lot, but you need to look for it. And to get it is also another difficulty because sometimes they kind of request some quantities mm -hmm. like they're going to request i don't know like um, two or three rolls but so much for a young designer you know to use that and so big quantity and so expensive to buy it and to ship it to korea you know so many yards what are you gonna do you have for your whole life if you're a young company you know what i mean sure, sure. so it's quite difficult to match the minimum quantity with this company so you need to um, approach them with a very clever uh, concept uh, it, it sounds like, you know, 
you know, cost is uh, is still a big issue, right? Of course, if you don't have much budget, cost is still a big issue, even if you try your best to use some. That's why I said I understand designers who doesn't really go into this path because yet, because it's a very difficult way to find. You spend, I spend so much time looking for material. It's crazy. Now, is this because the technology isn't, isn't there yet? Like, you know, like, for example, like, the first piece of lab-grown meat cost $300 million to produce, right? Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. it's down to maybe, I think it's like, uh, I think it's like, don't quote me on this, but, you know, maybe like 3000 4000 5000 I don't know, maybe not. But mm. it, 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 the price has decreased a lot because technology has advanced. Mm. So it's yep. just a matter of technology that I think it's there a, just isn't. Go ahead. I think it's a matter of demand and size of the companies. Mm-hmm. Like when I think about Pinatex, um, so la- I approached them last year or two years ago. Uh, well, I, pr- I approached them first time four years ago. They were not even on the market yet. So I had to wait a long time before I was able to really get in touch with them. And uh, the thing is that I think that they, still last year when I order, they're very small companies. They're very small companies. They're, well, now I think they're okay, but at the time still very small and they don't, you know, they're not yet very well, how to say, uh, adjust in terms of production because their textile is uh, also, as you say, some kind of special technologies. And uh, then they're not really ready for um, a big, like big production. So their company is still small. So maybe it's difficult for them to handle. They only handle like... Um, a big client or they have kind of like I, I think about Puma um, they use some textile like this and then maybe I, I don't know how it works but they might have an interest in that you know so they might sponsor somehow a textile company I don't know but some companies I know they're quite small yeah so uh, are, are, are many major companies kind of also picking up on this kind of new trend I don't want to call it trend but I, I think that's what it is at the moment like but oh. that's a trend. Oh. That's definitely a trend, and that's mm-hmm. a good one. <laughs> no, sure, sure, sure. I mean, if it lasts long, you know, not as a trend. I, th- I think it's a trend who's going to become just uh, normal, you know, mm-hmm. a, a regular kind of, I don't know how to say in English, but something very normal, sure, sure. very very common sense, very basic. Yeah. Um, but it starts to be just a trend. Okay, but no problem. If we have to go through trends, it's no problem, uh, unless it stays. So... Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, what was your question? <laughs> I'm lost with my trends. What's no, yeah, question? no, it, it, it was just what, what is you know. Uh, do you also see major companies, major ah, labels, yeah, yeah. kind of picking up on this? You know, sustainable. Of course, sus- of yeah. course, yes, yes, and that's what is great. I mean, it, it's great because I see a lot of major company, big brands, also trying to get this kind of fabrics and trying to and using it in their collection. I think about Volcom, especially with the Reprev recycled polyester, like recycled this plastic bottle recycled into polyester in America. Uh, there's yeah, yeah, there's a lot of like big companies is using this kind of textile and. Um, it's it's great. I think it's uh, you know if you start to see it in big companies, then it's gonna come to like small designers too. So it's, it's great. But maybe the change will come more from small designers because we can allow ourselves more freedom with that. We can allow ourselves to, for example, um, I had an issue with bamboo fiber. Mm-hmm. I made some t-shirts with bamboo fibers. And I have an issue at production because uh, bamboo fiber is a very frail material and you cannot 
um, do some kind of finishes with uh, a certain size of needle or a certain point in the machine. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know, you know, it's kind of very, very new and uh, it's not very new fabric, but I didn't know in production it can go through problems. So can you imagine a big company who is trying bamboo fiber and have a, a thousand, like a 10,000 of t-shirts with a major defect? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a big... For me, it's just 20 t-shirts. Then, okay, fine, I'm going to find a way to, uh, you know, um, correct the problem. I'm going to cut the finition and do another one. So my t-shirt's going to be bigger, but it's fine. You know, it's still fine. Can you imagine doing that on 10,000 t-shirts? No. So, of course, <laughs> the young company can try the fabric. We can try in our collection to see what's working, how it's working, and if it's easy to produce or not. So uh, big companies, they cannot take any risk with that. What do your colleagues kind of tell you, uh, you know, especially here in Korea, uh, you know, people that are kind of in the same field as you here, um, uh, do they, are they also trying to go like the sustainable way or, or do you feel like you're really kind of the only person owning it? Um, not really. I, I met some designers who are interested as well, mm -hmm. but not, not so much. Not so much. They have their own styles. They have their own kind of concept, their own their own path, their own way. And uh, yeah, I mean, this path is not very seducing, right? Honestly, <laughs> we deal we deal with something not very seducing. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So for now, for now. But uh, so I I didn't meet a lot of designer who were really interested by uh, by that actually. What about the man? from your from your customers then like do do you do people come to you and say you know i love what you're doing uh this is great um you know uh, i want not to support so, you not so much i mean some people like on instagram i post recently about the commitments of the brand and then i started to see comments of people which were very positive and very wow i didn't know it's great and oh okay um okay cool I think some people interest about it, but it's a very small percentage compared to the customer who just buy my clothes because they just like the style and the fabric. Like they say, oh, it's nice. Especially I'm doing dancewear. So most of the time when somebody asks, like, buy my clothes, a leotard, for example, mm -hmm. but they like it because of the shape, because of the color, because because they want to wear it during ballet class or jazz class or yoga or pilates, whatever. But the commitment comes after. Sure. It's kind of added value but it's not kind of the main thing for customer at the moment for for the customer i have in korea at least yeah i mean we we do the same thing at huggers um you know i, I don't we don't really i don't really like to push the uh the ethics onto the customer mm -hmm. that much and i just try to get them to focus on the food and the taste yeah um, i mean it's great yeah i mean i'm fine with that i'm happy if my if people like my product if customer like my product wants to wear it and feel like good when they wear it and and i love having good feedback like when somebody say oh i love your bra i do some sports bra i love your bra i wear it every day and it just makes me happy i don't i don't talk about what's behind i just happy that somebody like it and i know for example it's organic cotton so i know this person when she wears it it's it's also okay for her skin you know so it's just feel oh, okay good you know um you told me uh uh i think like two weeks ago when when, mm. when, when, you, when you stopped by the restaurant or maybe actually before that i think when we talked in uh, in a different restaurant uh when we met for lunch that you did yeah. a fashion show um where you had the um the guests participate <laughs> yeah we did that show um 
we did a first one in February. It was really fun. It was it's more a party than a show, you know. It was you have a show in the party, but it was more a party where uh, the guest was invited to run away. It was really fun. It was uh, February. We did again uh, last weekend in the museum uh, with a different concept, and I have to say the first concept uh, worked better. Mm-hmm. But it was fun too. It was fun too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's funny to link social and. Uh, and the fashion. It's funny to link social social and something which is kind of um, not really social. You know what I mean? So sure. it's, it's funny. Just uh, it was quite for fun, actually. We didn't expect much from that. But it came out very interesting, very good experience. Uh, it's quite challenging, actually, because um, you have the clothes, you have a certain size of clothes. And uh, if the people doesn't suit the size, uh, it's, it's quite difficult. But... Um, it was fun. We didn't face so much problem with that, actually. Yeah, it was it was fun. Do you do, does this government uh, help you in any way uh, when you you know when you're doing this kind of business, uh, you know, kind of sustainable, organic, trying to source from Korea? Mm. Uh, does the government encourage that here? Um, I have actually you know no of? idea. You know, as I told you, I don't write and I don't read Korean properly, so I'm kind of hard to search this kind of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely look myself. I definitely uh, dig my way myself <laughs> by contacting companies and getting to meet like director of textile companies and try to make my own network like this better than going through the government. But definitely, if there's a program with government, I want to take it, like, I want to be part of it, but I have no idea if such a thing exists, actually, about, like, eco-textile, I have no idea. But in Korea, they're very well-known for innovation in textiles. You have a big, big, big uh, site in Daegu, actually, where they kind of uh, create textiles, they kind of create new, very innovation into textile field. It's really interesting, and I wish I can go one day, definitely. Do you know about some of the things that they, that they make? That, that might be interesting to talk about? Like, w- w- what are some of the, uh, you know, star textiles that, that Korea is kind of putting out? Star, t- I, don't, I don't understand what you mean. I'm like, sorry. No, like, like yeah, like, so you, you, you said that, 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 that Korea has a mm. lot of innovation in yeah. textile. Uh, can you go a little more in depth about that? And like... Uh, well, I don't know well. I never mm-hmm. been there. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I know they do some contests every year for textile innovation. So they call to students or to designer to kind of um, uh, if they have an ID for some creating some textile, you can submit your IDs. Uh, but uh, I don't know if I don't know if it's good or I have no idea. I, I am. It's difficult to talk about that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> And what do you? What can you tell to you know future uh, entrepreneurs or anyone that's interested in fashion and you know kind of also has the same moral compass as you mm. that wants to you know? Uh, I can say that uh, the way is very difficult. It's very tricky. You fail a lot of time in a lot of different side in your brand or like, but you should never give up. That's the really the big point is never give up. Always believing that it's going to happen. Always believing that we are on the right way. We're on the right path. It's kind of a religion. looks like religion, you know, but it's kind of it, you know. You're on the right path. You're on the right way. You took the right decision. You just need to not give up. One day will come, you will do great and you will success. But you need to never give up. If you start to giving up, 
on the first big problem you can have, then you're done. You can never success in anything. And so where do you see, you know, uh, SMK and yourself, you know, in five or ten years? What is your... Well, you know what i never make any plans there's something maybe it's kind of like um very drawbacks of mine but i never make any plan in the future but if you ask me where i can see myself i hope that i would have an office in korea and an office in europe i would to have some kind of office in france especially uh to to kind of go back a little bit in europe back and forth uh, but still having a, a food in korea you know and I hope I will work, like I will be sold in internationally in, in America, in Asia. I really hope in Europe that I may have some showrooms and I hope I can do show every season. Like, yeah, I hope to grow a lot. And later, later on, I would like to be able to open maybe my own shelters for kind of animal shelters but it would be under the brand, you know, all financed by the brand. But it would be much later on. <laughs> yeah. What about like different different kinds of styles? Uh, are you going to stick with uh, leotards or do you have other kinds of visions of things that you want to do? Uh, you know, the brand is not only leotard. So uh, I have sweatshirts, I have a zipper hoodie, leggings, jumpsuit. It's a very wide range actually of product that is really made for dance wear, but can also be worn outside as a casual outfit. So it's not only clothes that you can wear during your ballet class or jazz class or yoga class, it's clothes that you can wear outside. So I definitely want to keep on linking the bridge between casual and dance wear. It's something I want to keep on doing. But I think uh, now that I found my place, uh, I'm not gonna get out of it. I'm gonna stick to it pretty much. And what if people want to get in touch with you? Uh, can you let, let them know how they can do that? Sure. You can contact me through Instagram, Sandra Maniac Kang. It's very hard to write, but please try. Or you can contact me through my website, which is sandramaniacang.com. Or you can email me at designer at sandramaniacang.com. Great. I will make sure to put that all in the podcast notes so people have direct access to that. Um, Great. Sandra, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on today. Uh, I really appreciate it and I love what you're doing. Um, you know, I am a big, big supporter of anything sustainable uh, because, you know, that's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward and um, uh, save this planet, right? Uh, yes. Thank, thank you, me. AG. It was great to talk with you too. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> and uh, thank you for having me and for letting me speak. And, uh, well, if you have any other question or anyone has a question i would be very happy to answer sure and i will probably invite <laughs> you back on at a later time so if you would like to do that that would be fantastic yep. love to all right well you have yourself a wonderful evening thank you thank you bye bye if you're enjoying the woke starters podcast you can help it grow by sharing it on social media also head over to our facebook page and click like you can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Woke Stutters. Your support is greatly appreciated.